morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Wednesday, May the 26th, and we are we are in the Pentecost season. The Holy Spirit was revealed to the disciples and united the nations, and we gather with that same Holy Spirit around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and put on our Christ goggles as we pray and study Psalm Psalm 2. We are taking a little bit of a short detour this morning before we begin our study of 2 Kings. One of the the goals with that is to change our minds a little bit. And plus, the Psalms are about prayer. So that's what we're going to be digging into today with Psalm 2. And Luther said this about the Psalms, which I thought was interesting in Luther's works. The Psalter ought ought to be a precious and beloved book, if for no other reason than this. It promises Christ's death and resurrection so clearly that it might well as be called a little Bible. As he tells us that, we put on our Christ goggles and look forward to digging into Psalm 2 today. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us Pastor David Jewell of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Moments, Illinois. Pastor Jewell, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you, Pastor Finnan, and good morning to you at home, at work, or at play today. (laughs) Hopefully I'm working a little bit here, but (laughs) happy Pentecost to you and your family. How was Pentecost? Uh, It was a joyful time, uh, a a good time again to be uh, around the Word of God and around uh, the Lord's Supper, and to be strengthened again in knowing that the Holy Spirit always gets us back to Jesus Christ and to His blessed gifts. And that, that's a great segue for us as we look at our psalm today. Um, but I don't want to get there quite yet. So uh, let me take another step back. Pastor, what's going on for you, your family, and the work of the saints at Our Savior? Things are uh, continuing to look uh, a little more normal than they did, uh, say, oh, I don't know, six to nine months ago. Um, the work of the Lord continues here uh, in this congregation as we're uh, gearing up for uh, catching our breath here in the summertime. Uh, Our Bible study that we have on Sunday morning will take a break through the summer, and uh, we'll get back at it uh, again this fall. But as for me and my family, uh, we're hoping to take some time away here in a couple of weeks and get away for a few days, and then uh, I'm looking at some continuing education opportunities in uh, uh, this summer as well. And uh, Mm. for the folks here, it's continuing to rest in the... uh, in the uh, in the word of Jesus Christ and to receive uh, the Lord's Supper and to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Wonderful. You're not you're not coming up to Minnesota for continuing education, or is it somewhere else? No, I'm looking at Albuquerque, New Mexico this year. Oh, I've never man. actually been to New Mexico, and uh, the pastor out there has wanted me to come and be with the brethren out there. It's a professor that I appreciate and a topic that I'm going to enjoy very much studying in July. So looking forward to uh, hopping the big bird out to Albuquerque in July. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, um, as we look at that, and you said so well today that uh, this psalm, um, well, the Holy Spirit would be upon us and point us to Jesus. Can you pray that that may happen today as we search the scriptures? Can you begin us in prayer? 
Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O God, you make the minds of your faithful to be of one will. Grant that we may love what you have commanded and desire what you promise, that among the many changes of this world, our hearts may be fixed where true joys are found. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor, uh, today is a, is a is a a new day. Obviously, every day is a new day with the Lord, as we know, as forgiving grace. But it's a new day for us here on Thy Strong Word. Since I started on January seventh, um, I always remind our listeners that they can send any questions they have kfuo at kfuo.org. But today is the first day where you can call in with any questions you have. And I had to think long and hard about this and pray about it. But I thought, you know what? I can always divert to Pastor Jewel because he will have the answer. So if you have any questions today on Psalm 2, call us at 1-800-730-2727, 1-800-730-2727, because Pastor Jewel does his homework and he is ready to answer them, and then I will support him in those answers. So um, what do you think of that, Pastor? Well, it's it's nice to be a guinea pig, so I'm looking forward to seeing if anyone will call in and participate here in the broadcast today. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, you heard it. You heard it. You heard it here, folks. Let's get the calls in this morning, 1-800-730-2727. Well, Pastor, as we take a little, uh, a little bit of a detour from our study of First Kings, one thing I'm excited about today is I don't have to try to figure out how to pronounce names in Psalm chapter 2, so, uh, you know, Psalm 2, <laughs> so it's kind of fun. But there was an interesting question that came in about the Psalms, and you and I talked about it a little bit, um, is when we look at the Psalms, there's 150 Psalms, and they have a unique flavor throughout the whole, um, all the 150 Psalms. Is there a, the question is this, and I want you, I want your thoughts on this. Is there a rhyme or reason as to how, this, how the Psalms are numbered? What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think that there may be something to this. When you sit down and take a look at the, the Psalter, and you start at Psalm 1, and you look at how that psalm uh, is structured, and it, it deals with the two ways, the way of the righteous man and the way of the wicked man, and how these ways play out. It's a great introduction to what is about to come forward in the Psalter. And then you are jarred right into Psalm 2, which we're going to talk about today, and how um, and it, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition between 1 and 2 and how it just gets you right into this, and then you move into uh, 3, which is about salvation. Then you mm-hmm. get 4 and 5, and 1 is, uh, is a bedtime psalm that you would pray in the evening, and it shows up if you uh, pray the offices of prayer, the historic offices of prayer in the church, Psalm 4 is associated with Compline, which is prayer at the close of the day or at bedtime. That one is usually spoken then. And then you go right into Psalm 5, which deals with uh, daytime things and waking up in the morning. And then you go right into 6, which is the first of the um, penitential psalms. And then you can go on from there and take a look at how these play out. We're doing this in our circuit pastors meeting. We're going through the Psalms one at a time and reading them 
and contemplating them and discussing them. And I think it's a a wonderful devotional thing to do for a group of pastors, and even for for you or for me or for you listening uh, wherever you are today is – uh, obviously, you you would want to pray something, pray the psalm that is closest maybe to what you hear in church on Sunday, but also devotionally just to sit down and look through the psalms one at a time in order and see if you can catch some kind of flow that mm. goes through that whole book, and uh, because it is really the the prayer book of the church. In every way, uh, it, it, it was good enough for the Israelites. It was good enough for the uh, earliest days of the church, and it's lasted us all these thousands of years. It still speaks to the conditions and needs of man even today. That is very helpful because there's some common themes that we'll see. The Song of Ascents, you know, 120 through, I believe, 134. And you see that as they would go to the temple to pray and, and people would be singing these and praying these as they traveled. That was one of the one. I mean, I look forward to getting to that point, too. But then, you know, we're going back and forth one and then 150. And now we're doing two and then we'll get to 149 later on um, on Friday. And so we were kind of going back and forth, which will hopefully help with some of these themes that you're mentioning, because at the end you have the Alleluia or the Hallelujah verses, you know, praise the Lord Psalms. So you definitely have themes in that way, but you're, you're digging even a little deeper to say, maybe we can catch something that isn't necessarily written in the, on the, uh, the headlines on, e- on each one of these Psalms. Um, I think that's a good challenge for all of us, not only to study it, but also to pray it. Any last thoughts? Uh I, and, and of course, there are uh, there are many different psalms that show up in in the courses of our life. Uh, we think, mm. uh, what would a, what would a Christian funeral be without Psalm twenty three or even mm. Psalm forty six? Psalm forty six, verse one, being my confirmation verse, or Psalm fifty one, and the fact that uh, in our most of our churches each week we sing, "Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me." After we hear the preaching of God's word and the many other different psalms that show up. If, if you think of something that's going on in your life, whether good or bad, whether hard times or easy times, there's a psalm that matches that. There's a psalm for that, Brady. Mm, good point. There's a, there's a psalm for that. Oh, I haven't heard that for a while because everyone just knows that uh, there is an app for that, so we don't need to ask it anymore. Anyways, so <laughs> I, I'm ready. Let's get into this. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. So Psalm chapter two, not I see Psalm chapter two, Psalm two. Um, and as we look at Psalm two, I'm going to um, read the whole thing. And a reminder, too, that when we go through this, consider this part of your prayers this morning as well. So we'll read all of Psalm 2, and then we'll uh, go back and try to uh, dig a little deeper. Psalm 2, the reign of the Lord's anointed is the headline. Why do the nations rage? And the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds and apart and burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs and the Lord holds them in derision and he will speak to them within his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. 
You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them with pieces like potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So, Pastor, as we are about to dig into this, do you have any background or thematic um, uh, things you want to bring up for us to help us out? Yes. The, uh, this psalm is usually associated with the coronation rite of Davidic kings. And mm. that really colors uh, how this psalm is, uh, is used not only liturgically in the church's worship, but also how it was used among the Israelites. And uh, that's something that all of us can keep in mind as, as you continue your study uh, most days through the book of First Kings here on Thy Strong Word. Be thinking of all of those different kings that come in the line after David and Solomon and so mm-hmm. forth, and the fact that at their coronation, this psalm was used. Another thing that strikes me, too, about Psalm 2 and its use is uh, in many of our churches, if you have uh, a Vesper service on Good Friday, as we do here in Moments, uh, one of the four psalms that are prayed at the beginning of the service is Psalm 2, Hmm. along with 27 and I think 51 is, and I'd have to go look at what the other one is. I don't know it right offhand. Uh, but there are those four psalms that are prayed at the beginning, and you can take a step back and think about, once we work through this text, you can, you can reflect on um, how Jesus, laying on the cross, shedding his blood for the sins of the world, and then you have this psalm in the background, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain, and it's as if our Heavenly Father has the last laugh before kings and princes of this world saying, yes, I have given you authority, yet you would have no authority unless I, <laughs> unless I didn't give it to you in the first place. And he says, here is my authority. Uh, mm. I don't bear the sword. Uh, the only thing I do is give my son to die for the sin of the world and to rise from the dead to give new life and new hope and joy and fresh hope to my people. Something to think about as we work through this, that especially is. as this psalm plays out um, throughout, the, um, throughout the church year. It does, it does ring in your ears as you think about Jesus, you know, when he was going to be crucified. You ask that question, why do the nations rage? And why do the people's plot in vain? I mean, that's almost a, a lament that you would pray as you see all these things happen to Jesus. Like, why? Why is this happening? Why, why is this happening to our Lord? And that's a, a good reminder. I would have to look at some of the traditions that I've done on Good Friday and see if I've included that. I can't remember right off the top of my head, which probably means I haven't. Um, but it's a good prayer for us to think about, especially for Good Friday, as we see our Lord being crucified. Um, one of the unique things I found in Dr. Seleska's commentary on this psalm is it has this question that he thought was a good theme for it, and I, I tend to agree, is he said, the question is, who has the power? Who, who does not have the power? And who do we think has the power? 
is is a question that's being asked, which let's be honest, we're think we're asking the same question today, right? Who really has the authority in our world? Is it the the nations or is it Yahweh and the Lord's anointed? And that's a good a good tension for us to consider today as well. Any other themes or thoughts you have before we uh, go a little dig a little deeper? I, and I like the fact that you use both the words power and authority because those are two different things there that mm-hmm. we are looking at here. And I would I would focus especially on authority and the fact that the world tries to use power to get authority, whereas our Lord simply has authority. And he does have power, mm-hmm. but he but behind all of that lies authority. That's a good thing to keep in mind. Thanks for bringing that up. Great. Well, let's dig in the first three verses. And, and uh, well, why do the nations rage? That's what we're asking. Verses one through three. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. So uh, a lot of question, uh, questions come in in the, these first three verses. What is the psalmist telling us? First thing that I would look here is the question itself that begins the psalm. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? It is because they know that ultimately their authority does not belong to themselves And they have set themselves up, as it says in verse 2, against the Lord and against his anointed, or against his Christ, the one who he has sent to make the reconciliation between God and man. The world does not like to hear that, because the Mm. world wants to have all the power and all of the glory and all of, the, um, all of the pats on the back, and cannot stand that someone else has that authority, and that the authority that they cannot stand is also an authority that says, I don't want to bear the sword. I don't want to have earthly rule. The rule that I, would, the rule that I am desiring, says our Heavenly Father, is the rule over your heart and your soul. That's what I'm looking for here. And the world can't stand it because it's got to have everything. And who gets the blame? Well, of course, God gets the blame. And <laughs> instead, it's not, it's not looking at ourselves and the fact that we have this sinful human nature within us. It's to say, well, because God wants all the authority, clearly God is in the wrong <laughs> now, right. how messed up does that sound? But <laughs> we live in a very sinful world, and there's a lot of things that sound messed up in the world. And that's, that's one of the things, is to shift all of the blame, not on the people who, who dwell in sin, but on the one who points out, you dwell in sin. Mm. And one of the situations here, too, is we want all the all the authority, you know, what's your authority? And this is where Jesus, when he stands before Pontius Pilate, says that my kingdom is not of this world, which puts Pontius Pilate in a unique situation, like, okay, how are we going to deal with this? We want all the authority. We want all the, quote, power. And and here it is. Um, and uh, to to have this, 
a situation where the government doesn't, they're like, okay, what do we do with that? Because we want it all. And at the same time, I think a good question that arises is we who are on the outside of, quote, serving in the government or being, you know, really knee deep into government world, uh, just as a normal citizen of, of America, we kind of look around and go, how come they have all the authority? How come it seems like they have all the power? And where is God in the midst of this? This gets to a little bit of a lament. Any thoughts? I, I, I saw this from both sides of the government wants us. We look at it and go, it seems like they have all the power and authority. And then we can lose God in the midst of this. So I felt like there's kind of a lament theme to this as well. Any thoughts? There is, yeah. And uh, we must remember, too, that, that worldly government would have no authority unless the Lord God himself right. gave it to them first. And so what happens when God puts things in the hands of sinful men is that, yeah, if things are not going to be perfect this side of paradise. Uh, I think in this case that we can consider how things went for the apostles in Acts chapter 4, because uh, Peter quotes these two verses in Acts chapter 4 after they had been in to see the ruling authorities, and they were told, you need to stop talking about this resurrection business, this Jesus rising right. from the dead. You can continue yeah. to talk about Jesus. We just don't want to hear this. Res- well, we, we can't stop talking about the resurrection. So he takes the disciples, go outside, and Peter says, remember what it says in Psalm 2? And then Peter looks at him and says, look, um, we, know that, we know that God is on our side in this affair, uh, and we know that the world is not going to like it, and the ruling authorities are not going to like it, so let's go preach the gospel. And then, of course, the room shook, and that's the Lord saying, yeah, I'm, I'm on your side. I got your back in this whole affair. <laughs> yeah, and that's Acts chapter 13 is what you're speaking of? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking through no, this. Acts is chapter that... 4. This is Acts, Acts chapter, chapter 4. 4. Yeah, okay, okay. So I was uh, thinking that one. The ruling right. authorities, the religious authorities, and they, they leave... And, I mean, it's after the business of there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we, want, yes. we must be saved. Good so point. That, that section. So, yeah. Gotcha. So I was looking at Acts chapter 13, too, where it quotes Psalm 2, verse 7. And that's one of the things I didn't realize how much it was used. Psalm 2 is used throughout the scripture. So I, I miss this one. That's, that's a good point. They're praying for boldness. They're praying this, and they realize we are going to be on the outside. The nations will not want to hear what we have to say, and the scriptures tell us this. And so we should not be surprised, even though, Lord have mercy, we are. So um, other other thoughts you have on these verses? Um, I think I pretty much got it all. Let's see what we got next. All right. Oh, I wanted to ask this question um, sure. and, and to see your thoughts was against the Lord and against his anointed, capital A. Who is he speaking about here of the anointed? I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Well, uh, it's fascinating that in Acts 4, when Peter speaks these words, more than likely they're using the, uh, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And there it says uh, they plot together. Uh, against the Lord and against his anointed, but it also can be translated as Christ, because anointed mm-hmm. one is the Christ, the one, uh, the one who comes uh, to, um, to set his people free from their sin. We hear a lot about that in the season of Advent, of course. So that, it's talking about, uh, talking about Jesus Christ here. Yes. 
And exactly. And that and that's something where um, when we had Dr. Seleska on, he was very he was very um very thorough and okay. So we have to be careful not just to jump to Jesus right away when we look at the Psalms. However, if you go to Psalm two and can't find Jesus right away, then we're, you know it's, it's hard not just to jump to Jesus because it's very thorough throughout the Old Testament. I mean, even to Second Samuel talks very clearly similar language of the of the Son that was to come, and then also in the New Testament, as you've already said, in Acts chapter four, Acts chapter thirteen, and so I think we can. And he was says that in his commentary, and so it's good for us to be able to see this because when it's really explicit, like chapter or uh, Psalm two is, and then we have to preach it and teach it because, well, that's what God's word has to say. So let's move on. Verses four through six. And this gets fun because this is the verses that I used um, before the election this year in 2020 um, and right before our presidential election. I use these these verses for a reason. So four through six. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. So the highlight that that, that I had as I did a prayer service, I think it was the Tuesday, no, it was like the Friday or Thursday before the election. We had a prayer service here at Messiah Lutheran Church. And I used this verse and you kind of, you were looking at everything in the world and you're looking around and you're like, I think the Lord is laughing at us. Any reflections on that when we look at, at, at everything that comes together as a culture, government, life, and everything? There's got to be times that God kind of looks at us and laughs. What do you think? I agree with that. And it's because, <laughs> if anything, our Heavenly Father knows us better than we know ourselves, And He knows that we are going to place all of our fear, love, and trust in things of this world. I, I'm I'm going to be 49 years old here in just a few days, and I think as far back as I can remember, the earliest presidential election I can remember is 1980, and I think every presidential election since 1980 has been described as the most important election in the history of the United States of America, and it's now become so overused that it does make me want to laugh out loud about all of this. Um, the Lord Himself has everything in his hands. Um, And he's not so much worried about our politics or our election or how we handle day-to-day affairs uh, with the governance of this country, as he is, again, concerned about uh, the condition of our heart and the fact that for his people, he's got everything taken care of. He has set his king on Zion. He has set our Lord Jesus Christ as the head of the church. And so for us in the body of Christ, uh, we, don't, we don't have to be invested in thinking if we don't get the right people elected or the right judges in place or this or that, we don't have to think, well, it's all, gonna, it's all just going to end and it's over. And, and it's not over. It's only over when our, when our Lord Jesus returns to judge the living of the dead and to bring in the new heavens and the new earth. So 
God knows us, and he knows that we're going to be worried about these things, and he knows that the world is going to turn against not only him, but against his people. But he says, again, I have your back. And if you do not listen to me, things are not going to be very good for you. So listen to me and realize that all authority in heaven on earth, as Jesus says, has been given to me. And when you hear Jesus speak this, you know that this is his father speaking as well. It reminds us who has all the authority, but right now we're going to touch that on the other side of our break. We are studying Psalm, Psalm 2 with Pastor David Jewell, and we'll be right back. Across the nation, we are here for our communities. We're doing our part to get supplies where it's needed in order to fight COVID-19 together. It feels good to be out there to assist our community. I would like our friends and family to know that your National Guardsmen are always ready and always there. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Ascension Lutheran Church in St. Louis at 8.15 and Hope Lutheran Church in St. Anne at 10.45, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 9.30. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. creation is the result of a fluke and accident is ridiculous. A hundred thousand monkeys typing on a hundred thousand typewriters even after a million years would never produce the works of William Shakespeare. But they might produce several episodes of Wrestling with the Basics Saturday mornings at 9am on air or on demand. A click away 24 hours a day at KFUO.org And welcome back. We are studying Psalm 2 with Pastor David Jewell. And I've just been told I forgot to do this is to we are receiving phone calls today, 1-800-730-2727. And also, if you're in the local area in St. Louis, I, I forget about this because I'm in Minnesota. So you can call this number locally in St. Louis, 314-821-0850, which I guess Nowadays, it doesn't really matter because you have your cell phone. You can call that number as well, 314-821-0850. So as we look at this, Pastor Jewel, one of the one of the realities is the first three verses kind of bring up the question, so who has authority here? And I think verse 4 kind of says it. Well, the guy who's laughing up top, he has the authority. And we said it for a little, a little bit at the beginning. I want to get your thoughts of... 
power and authority, I think a lot of times we use them interchangeably. And you alluded to the reality that there's probably a distinction that we have to remember, especially when it comes to God. How would you describe that to somebody, that there is a little bit of a distinction of power and authority? What would you say? I'm a word guy. I love to uh, <laughs> look at words and how words are created, and the English language is full of loan words and things like that. And I look at the word authority, and I see the word author in the mm. word authority. There, is, uh, there can be no authority without an author, and the author of authority, for a Christian at least, is our Heavenly Father, and he gives authority to his son, and his son then gives this authority to the church. What is the authority that Jesus gives? Well, in Matthew 28, as, as we hear, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and then he says, go and preach the gospel. Uh, go and, and preach this good news to all the nations and baptize. Uh, this is not something that the church came up with. It's something that uh, our Heavenly Father has revealed to us in His Holy Word through the words of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And within that authority, we can say that there is power, because the power of the Word of God, powered by the Holy Spirit working in the Word that the Church proclaims, then gives that, uh, then gives that authority power. And we see that mm. power... Uh, every time we are we are seated in church and we hear that word preached and we uh, we receive the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, we hear the absolution, believing that our sins are forgiven, uh, not only in heaven, but uh, here uh, among the, the body of Christ as well. So uh, that's what I think of is I, without, uh, I guess the reverse question I would then ask is, can there be any power without authority? And my answer would be, Probably not. And so right. the world wants power, but they see power as authority, whereas we in the body of Christ see power as flowing from authority. And the authority from that is the author and perfecter of our faith. Oh, that's really good. Thank you, Pastor, for making that distinction. But we have our first phone call that has come in from Paul in Illinois. So, Paul, you have a question for us this morning? Yeah, hey, I really enjoyed uh, going to First Kings and look forward to going on to Second Kings. And this is a nice detour, too. Um, mm -hmm. So appreciate all you're doing, Pastor Finner. Um, my question is, uh, was this psalm written when there was a good king in Jerusalem? And if it was, is it just talking about Jesus or that good king, too? And then uh, are bad kings still the Lord's anointed? Great question, Paul. Um, the two questions that he has before us, uh, Pastor Jewel, what are your thoughts on the first question? Do we um, know if this was done with uh, good kings or bad kings or anything in between? Um, well, I want to tackle, first of all, did David write this? I don't know, because we yeah. don't really have a clear indication that David wrote it. I'd like to think he wrote it, but I can't give you a 100 uh, percent guarantee on that. Um, repeat the question again for me, Brady. Uh, is, <laughs> well, he was asking the question about is the is is and this is my understanding of the question is he's asking about the uh, uh, was this done for good kings, bad kings? Um, you know, when was this done? Uh, was it done for David? I, I was kind of a little confused on that one. Um, right, but that was that was my understanding. 
I'm, I'm guessing that the, uh, if we want to go back to say, let's round it off and say about 1,000 B.C. is perhaps when this may have been written or may have been first used. And so maybe this was used at David's coronation. And mm-hmm. it was used at, uh, more than likely at other coronations of Davidic kings along the line. And as we know, and as you'll hear as we unpack First and Second Kings on Thy Strong Word, oh, there were a lot of really bad kings. <laughs> and uh, yeah. these things yet were used even with good or bad kings, because who gave this gift to God's people? The Lord God himself did. And he did so, as we recall, very reluctantly when uh, the people approached him and said, we want a king, like all of the other nations. And God said, are you sure that you mm. want this? And they're like, oh, yeah, we want this. And, and uh, the, thing about, the thing about earthly authority is we have to be careful what we wish for, because uh, sometimes when we want something, we realize that that something that we want is not always that something we are going to get and that it's going to be a consistent thing. And so, yeah, this was used with good and bad kings more than likely if it was used for coronations. And this is, this is God's gift of authority among his people. Ah, uh, you know, and one of the things he did ask at the end was a question of, it was a bad king, was he truly the Lord's anointed? How would you answer that question? <sighs> yes, yes, he was. And like I said, in spite of ourselves, we, you know, we get what we ask for when we ask, uh, when we get bold and confident and ask God for things that, that we desire. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you kings. And God warned his people you know what they're going to do? They're going to take your sons away from you, and they're going to go out and fight in the war. He's going to tax you, and you're not going to like it when you're going to get taxed. Take a look mm-hmm. at our country here, where we live. We have, we have this authority called the government, not only at the local level, but at the state level and at the federal level. And they say and do things that we don't often like, but we have to remember that this is how God sets up ruling authorities in our midst. And we're not always going to like it, but ultimately, who gets the final say? The Lord God gets the final say, because uh, all of these things are going to pass away, and there will be a new way of doing things in, in the life of the world to come. And that's a good reminder for us that whoever is in office, whatever position it might be, that for whatever reason, the Lord has placed that individual in that office, and it's time for us to, one, pray for them, um, to respect them, and also to challenge them. And it, we, we don't fully understand how this all happens, but we do know that the Lord has authority over it. I wanted to look at one one. Uh, Kind of, it, he kind of asked this question too: Is did David write this psalm? And from Acts four, which you referenced in verse twenty-five, it does say that through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, and it quotes the first two verses. Now, the, the commentaries that I read on that too said, well, he might have. It doesn't say it in the Psalms itself, but they also could be referencing that they attribute all the Psalms to David because that's kind of how the scriptures speak as well. So did he exactly write this? We have to go with a big, we don't know, but yet um, maybe he did. I mean, it, it's a, either way, it's still God's word and the Holy Spirit works through it. So I don't know how, um, Paul, you're the first guy to call in and I think we answered your question um, and it's a lot of fun to be able to have call-ins. So thank you, Paul, and thank you, Pastor Jewel, for taking on those questions. Do you have any, any last thoughts before we move on from verse 6? 
it's always good to remember to pray for our secular authorities, uh, even if we did not vote for them, even if we disagree with their policies. They are, uh, the, they are the people, as you said correctly, for such a time as this. And when we disagree, yes, as citizens, we do have the privilege of standing up and saying, I disagree with this. But uh, again, we pray for these people because they are, um, as it were, they're our protection uh, for our own selves and against uh, our enemies. So let's move on to verse 7. I find verse 7, well, it's a very important verse in, in, in the psalm, kind of a, a moving point uh, to really bring this together, but also throughout the whole Bible. So I'm just going to read verse 7. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now, these, these words right here obviously have more meaning than just the, the time that it was written. Um, but what unpack this verse for us, the importance of it here and also in all of Scripture. Wow, do we have time to do this? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping we you got do, this. We, yeah. <laughs> we could do an entire program on this verse alone, because mm-hmm. this is the authority that our Heavenly Father has set up for His people, and that is He speaks the word, you are my son, speaking of the anointed one. Today I have begotten you. Why, what, for what reason has the Lord begotten his only begotten son? For the reason of the kingdom of heaven that is ours in his perfect life for our sake, his perfect sacrifice upon the cross, for our sake, his perfect rising from the dead, that death for us is merely a catnap for our sake. That is what he has set up. That is the kingdom. Again, this is not a kingdom of the sword or of the pistol or of any sort of warring function. This is an authority that brings peace and joy, and forgiveness into people's lives. And it's this message that the secular authorities don't want to hear. Because when you lay this in their lap, they think, well, yeah, we, we want to save you. We want to, we want to be the ones to provide you everything, including any hope for any future. And the Lord God says, well, um, I have this hope in this future, And that hope and future is my only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And so that's why it's important for us as well, too, to remember that there are um, two realms. Some people say that there are three realms, but we can can have that discussion another day. Um, And it's important not to mix the realm of the political world with the realm of the sacred world. And to remember that even when everything it seems like is crashing down before our eyes, even when we, we see society just at, at, um, at each other's throats, um, especially what we've gone through as a people over the last year plus dealing with a pandemic and the many different responses to that pandemic and the many mm-hmm. different messages we have heard uh, coming through this pandemic, 
to remember one thing, and that one thing is there is a decree that our Heavenly Father makes, and that is you are my son. Today I have begotten you. I send you into the world as one of them, born of a woman, born under the law, that you might fulfill that law and be my children's righteousness. Wow. And that and that gets unpacked in so many beautiful ways uh, throughout the New Testament so that the people who knew the Psalms, I mean, the, the, the Jewish people during Jesus' time would have known the Psalms and it would have rung in their ears as they would worship, as they would go to the temple, as they would learn as children, and they would hear from rabbis and other folks um, because they would hear this. And so when they use it throughout Um, the New Testament, you hear it, and it points us to exactly what you're saying, that we know who has the authority, because this is the guy who has been begotten, the son who's been begotten. Obviously, a few few references I want to get your thoughts on, if you have any other ones, is obviously Jesus' baptism. Um, This is my Mm -hmm. beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Mount of Transfiguration. Once again, they're up there. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And then he steps it up a notch and says, listen to him. (laughs) That too. You see it in Hebrews in two places where the author to the Hebrews is definitely trying to prove that this is the Christ. I mean, chapter one is like 10 references in the Old Testament to say this Jesus is the guy that only speaks to you now, but has all authority. And he quotes Psalm 2-7 twice in that book. And so he, he, he it rings in the ear, okay, Psalm 2, we know who has authority. It's the Lord's anointed. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 like popcorn just popping everywhere. They saw that, oh, that's the guy. That's the anointed. It's him. And he has all authority. And how is he using his authority? Like you said so well, to go to the cross. So I as you said, so we could spend all day. You brought up, I'm so glad that you brought up baptism and transfiguration here. Hey-o. Because it, it all goes, it, it all goes, uh, uh, it, when, when Jesus speaks, and I've pointed this out in many, many sermons that I've preached on both of these texts, uh, Jesus, when he is in the water, or Jesus when he's on the mountain peak, his father speaks, and it's as if time stands still, and mm. our Heavenly Father wants to get our attention and say, listen, listen to what I have to say. You see this guy right here? This is the guy that, I, that you have heard about in the synagogue. This is the guy that you heard about all of your life. This is the guy to which the patriarchs hung their life on. This promise that I made to your forefathers, this guy, remember this guy that I've been promising, my anointed one, the one who comes to redeem his people? Here he is in the flesh. And then we go right to the cross and we see that the Lord darkens the sun and brings all of the attention of the people at that time on the fact that now my son is here. He's not trying to start a revolution. He's not trying to win a battle campaign. He is, as it were, on the throne, reigning before his people as a suffering servant dying for their sin, shedding blood. They pierced his side, and out came water and blood, which are the Mm. testimony Mm. in the church. The Lord God is going to get our attention with this whole thing one way or another to remind us, this is my son, 
I have begotten him. Why have I begotten him? For you, for your sin, for your righteousness, for your eternal benefit. That's the guy. So as we have established who has the authority, I want to argue that the the last number of verses is the Lord laying out, okay, I have the authority. Now, what does this look like? What are the ideas we have? Not ideas. Here, here, what does this look like? And how are we to follow this one with authority? So let's continue on. I'm going to do verses 8 and 9 as we continue forward. And he says, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them with pieces like a potter's vessel. So I wanted to start there. I wanted to stop there because in verse eight, it's kind of like saying, okay, here's the authority. And then what he first thing he asks, says is ask of me. And the Lord says, ask of me. I have all authority. Ask me something. Ask me questions. Ask me this. Come to me in prayer, showing that this authority he has is not to tell you what to do, but the relationship is one where he lifts us up to his level and says, pray to me. Ask of me. Um, We see this obviously throughout the Bible, too, where he gives us his own prayer, the Lord's prayer, and he lifts us up to his level and says, ask of me, for you will be my heritage. Thoughts on those next two verses? You've been reading my email again, haven't you? I was just I have, I've been, yeah. chapter 11. <laughs> I was just going to bring that up when he, when he, you know, the disciples go to him and say, uh, Lord, teach us to pray just as John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. And so Jesus lays out the Lord's Prayer, and then he, he gives them this, uh, he gives them these, these examples, which, which seem just kind of odd to us, but he's, he's kind of demonstrating absurdity by being absurd, I guess. And then you get to the end of it, and he goes, uh, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you shall find. And it's, it's a perpetual asking, a perpetual seeking, a perpetual knocking. Uh, we, for, I, I preached the one-year cycle of readings at my congregation, and just a few weeks ago we had uh, the, the Sunday and Easter when we focus upon prayer in John chapter 16, verses 23 through 30. And every year uh, I, I stand in the pulpit and I, I preach to myself, first of all, and say, we are so timid when it comes to asking our Heavenly Father, because first of all, we think that, well, He is omniscient, so He knows all things, so we don't have to ask. But then He bids us to ask, and so we do. And then what do we ask for? Well, we, we ask for the small things, and we think that if we ask for the big things, He's going to smack our hand and go, now, 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 you know, remember who's the boss here? No! What does he say here? Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. All you have mm-hmm. to do is ask, because I have all authority. And that's a great reminder for us of to pray, as you said, as you said earlier, Pastor, to pray for our authorities and to pray for others, um, but to pray. And, and he wants us to, and it, you know, it's one of those weird dynamics. He knows it, but yet he asks us because of the relationship he has with us because of the begotten son. Now, pastor, we have another question from Jan. Jan, what's your question for us this morning? Well, it's actually more comments too. Uh, The first comment is I, I tuned in when you were talking about the author of the Psalms and that made me think of the Psalms, like 42 or whatever, uh, masculine of the sons of Korah. Mm. And what made me think of that is 
they departed from their father's will. And as you remember, it was a good thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so um, that's my first comment. And the second mm-hmm. thing is Jesus is our peace, but we always need to remember that we are blessed because we are peacemakers, mm. not truth keepers or peacekeepers. And Jesus made no uh, promise to give us that peace in the world. He even said, <laughs> there will be trouble. Mm. So um, I just feel like we need to remember that that's Christ is the only place where we will have peace. Well, thank you very much, Jan. I think the answer, not, there's no answer because there's no question, but I think the last word we say is amen. I think she said everything we need that. to say. What do you think, Pastor? I, I can't anything to that except amen, indeed. She's right. <laughs> exactly right. Thank you, Jan. Two callers in today. They knew Pastor Jewel would be here and that it would go well. So thank you, Jan, and also to Paul for calling in this morning. We have about four minutes left here, Pastor. So let's finish out the rest of the verses, 10 through 12. As, as Jan said so well, this is what gives us peace because Jesus is our peace. And he gives us a little more of, okay, I have all authority. Therefore, this is who you are and how we are to live. We continue. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So there's an emphasis here, now, therefore, or I saw another translation, and now. So I tell you that to tell you this, you know, be wise, be warm, serve the Lord, rejoice with trembling, kiss the Son, because we can take refuge in Him. What are these words all telling us here, Pastor, in these last few minutes? It should be the first care of kings to advance God's glory. Mm. That's really what's getting at here. And I'm only quoting from the Book of Concord when I say that. The treatise on the power and primacy of the Pope is where that comes from. It's, we, we remember when we elect ruling people in the secular world that we look for the candidate who is going to take care of us and to use wisdom use wisdom to care for people. And uh, it is seemingly so hard uh, to find people who are willing to use that. And whenever people do use wisdom to serve their constituents, what happens to those people? They usually are vilified by the media or they're vilified by their own constituents because they're not trying to uh, stand up for who got them into that position in the first place. Instead, they're there to take care of who uh, they represent when they serve. And uh, it does us good to remember 
wherever we are, whether it's an elected official or if it's just a mom or a dad or a human being doing what they're given to do each day as God gives them light to do it, to um, remember from where their authority comes from, to remember from where their calling comes from. Their calling comes from the Lord. When he says, kiss the sun here, uh, it means to honor the sun, uh, the way that you showed uh, the way that you showed uh, 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 the way that you showed honor to someone was at that time you kissed them. Uh, I don't recommend going around and kissing ruling authorities unless you're, uh, you have a special relationship with them. But uh, at the same time, to show to show honor, because these are the people whom God has set up, and uh, whether or not you agree with everything that they do, still show them honor because they. Um, they're put there by the Lord to do what's given them to do. Pastor, we have less than, about 30 seconds left. How would you summarize this psalm this morning? The Lord God has your back, simply put. When all other earthly things that we look to uh, fail us and flee, remembering that beautiful hymn, Abide With Me, we mm. have help and we have authority and that authority transcends everything that we see in this world. Pastor David Jewell of Our, Luth- our Savior Lutheran Church in Moments, Illinois, helping us put on our Christ goggles in Psalm, cha- Psalm 2. I keep saying chapter. I apologize, everybody. <laughs> Pastor Jewell, thank you again for being our guest, and have a blessed 49th birthday coming up here very soon. Thank you, and every blessing in Christ to you as well. Saints of our Lord, the Lord who sits in the heavens laughs, which leads to fury. But instead of that fury being placed on us, it was placed on Jesus, the one that today the Lord beget, the son with whom is well pleased, the son whom we should listen to. Be warned, serve with fear and rejoice with trembling because we can take refuge in him. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.